Hello? Version of Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. You sound a lot like GT, actually. You don't, you're not far off. So as you can tell, that is not GT. So instead, we brought it to my sister, Amanda. Hey! <laughs> now, for loyal I'm... listeners of our podcast, uh, this is Amanda, who's the nicest person in the world. But she got into the biggest fight with me over Donovan McNabb. We were at a bar <laughs> in New York. We might have had a few too many cocktails by this point. And it came up that Donovan McNabb was a constant choke artist. And I countered that he was not a constant choke artist, that he choked at times, but that he was the best quarterback in franchise history and he was one level below Hall of Fame. What do you have to say to that, Amanda? I mean, I stand by my statement. He Did he win a Super Bowl? Yes or no? No. I was thinking about this the other day, why I was so bitter about it compared to you. And I think a big reason why is because I was still living in Philly when they kept going to the NFC Championship game and losing every time. And I think you were not in the city at that point. So I feel like you didn't have to bathe in the constant <laughs> Philadelphia media being bitter the whole time afterwards. I never thought of that, but you're right. Because I always say, like, once I've moved to California, like, I still get mad. I still get very mad. And even tonight, I had already said earlier this week, it's gravy if they win. If they lose, it's not a big deal. But I was starting to get worked up. I was definitely starting to get worked up. But I think it's then you wake up the next day in California and it's sunny and 65 degrees. Or it's sunny and 75 degrees. Whereas in Philly, if you lose, we're still not in the bitter cold yet. But yeah, especially dramatic playoffs losses that can get to you so that makes sense yeah I think that was a big part of it and you know you just listening you know and then you listen to the constant media afterwards and you just reminded about how mad you are that you choked again especially that Tampa Bay game you know where everybody going in is Tampa Bay has never won when it's you know below 30 degrees and of course they win and then they were showing the highlight of when Carolina made the Super Bowl and I had totally forgotten that we had lost that NFC championship game <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I legitimately cried when the Eagles finally made it to the Super Bowl. I think it was the third year, fourth year that they finally won the NFC Championship game under the Reed area era when they were, you know, kept going to the NFC Championship game. And I could, I was living in a high rise in Philly. And I could see the fireworks from the link. And I just went, it's actually happening. We're going to the Super Bowl. And we went, my friends and I went to Broad Street and got in a car and just drove up and down Broad Street, like doing Eagles chants with all these crazy people down the street. It was actually pretty awesome until we lost the Super Bowl. These are good times. These are good times for <laughs> Eagles fans. It, it, maybe this is the year you you can have a similar celebration. We'll see. Before we get into that, I want to finish up with the Donovan McNabb loop because I want to just close it and go full circle. About a year or two ago when Donovan McNabb was still working at Fox Sports before he got the DUI and got fired, um, but <laughs> that was uh, when I lived. I was living in LA. Fox Sports was right near the gym that I belonged to, Marina Del Rey. I'm on the treadmill in an Eagles t-shirt. Donovan McNabb walks in. He waves. I get really excited because I think he's waving to me because I'm wearing an Eagles shirt. He comes walking over. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to talk to me. We can talk about the Eagles and how much I love the Eagles and how much I love McNabb. <laughs> no, he talks to the really cute girl next to me. He wanted nothing to do with me in my Eagles t-shirt. He was talking to the cute girl. You're like, this is my chance. I don't know if I was saying this is my chance, but I was like, it'd be a good story. But he, he totally didn't even know who I was. I could have been wearing all Eagles green decked out and he still would have walked past me for the cute woman. If I were him, I'd do the same thing. <laughs> hey, what's that supposed to mean? 
I'm just teasing you. Wow. My <laughs> but sister. to come back full circle, I still stand by my statement. Constant choke artist. <laughs> <laughs> I am not backing down. And I I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you that he was, you know, the best quarterback, at least in my memory, um, in franchise history. But, you know, I, I guess that's just sad state of affairs for our quarterbacks. For our <laughs> franchise. Con- well, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's what I mean. But, but we might have the best one now. Who knows? It's early, but five and one. We're gonna reset expectations. We'll get to that in a little bit. How you feeling? You know, I'm. So I think I'm. You know, in between Dale and you and GT, I feel. So Dale's our posh. mother, by the way. Yeah, sorry to clarify, our mother and the hosts of this lovely show. I am cautiously optimistic. I'm not as bitter as. as our mother is but you know I I still always have that you know trepidation that they're gonna blow it in the end it's just it's just what they do but (laughs) I love that big ginger (laughs) he's just so adorable he's so excited by the way my sister is allowed to say ginger since it's a derogatory term against redheads (laughs) because she has a baby ginger Yes, we have a nine-month-old, well, almost ten-month-old ginger, and he was wearing his Carson Wentz jersey. The only time we let him watch TV, and I kept telling him to give his fellow gingers good juju, to, <laughs> and and it actually kind of worked a couple of times. So usually we start with Wentz, but I feel with this game we have to start with the defense. They were yeah, pretty... Fletcher Cox was amazing this game. I thought. Yeah, he was he was a dominant force on the inside. And we might as well get to the Ray Dittinger impact play of the game because I have circled right in the middle of my sheet where I sent you all my notes. Play by Fletcher Cox leads to a interception, leads to us tying the game when it seemed like Carolina had taken control a little bit. But I totally agree. He was the one who forced his way into Cam making a bad throw. And next thing you know, it's an INT. We're at 12-yard line at that point. And it took us like 800 plays to get in from there. But we did. And that was really the momentum shift of the entire game. I completely agree. I ha- I had that as well as one of the as one of the impact plays. My my other impact play was the completing the third and sixteen with a minute left in the third quarter. When we were in our own red zone to get out of that nasty situation and turn that into a touchdown. It was followed by the long ball to Alshon Jeffrey and finishing it up with. The touchdown pass, I think it was two plays after that. Oh, yeah, the third and 16. I have that down to Mac, Ho- Mac Hollins, who went out with an injury. So and it, that looked like it might be pretty serious. And that was all Wentz. Wentz stepped up in the pocket under pressure and threw off of one foot perfectly yeah. to Mac Hollins. And then, like you said, I think the next play was the, the long ball to Jeffrey. And then that led to the Aguilar 24-yard touchdown. But then after Absolutely. that, they tried to blow, especially the offense, made it 28-23. Derek Barnett, the rookie, with a very dumb roughing the passer. Although, let's be honest, 10 penalties, there may have been more, but my last check, and I was trying to look for the final stat, we had 10 penalties for 126 yards. Yeah. They had one penalty for one yard. That seems, yeah. a, bit, that seems a bit skewed. Yeah, it's, it's too lopsided to be penalty you start off with the one um i forget who it was was it um douglas or i forget who it was but anyway the penalty that yeah that caused carolina to get in fresh set of downs with 10 minutes left the roughing the passer penalty 
that was clearly a penalty and just idiotic and infuriating. But to your point, there are a lot of uh, iffy calls at best in, in terms of the ref situation, I thought. That was Derek, um, Derek Barnett, the rookie, not, oh, that's not who it was. I, Douglas. I it, couldn't remember. I will was, say but. I'm going to make a defense for Derek Barnett. When they play, when they did the replay, it was very hard to tell there was a whistle blown. The layup game was not really clear. They rushed the passer. He tried to hold up at the very end. I'm not saying it wasn't dumb, but I don't think it was as egregious as you would be led to believe because you could barely hear the, hear the whistle even on the replay. Yeah, I, I, I didn't hear that, but if you're... That you know, if that's the case, then I give it to him a little bit more. But still, that's a pretty. It was a pretty dumb penalty. My biggest gripes were the pass interference calls. We were at yeah, they were weak. A, we were a half a second too soon. We get a flag every time. They're like mauling Jeffrey on two separate plays, and there's no flag. Both of them, I think, on third down as well. That I digress. So because I was supposed to be talking about the defense and how well they played, even though they gave up 23 points. You know, they still withstood the injuries. Hicks went out with the ankle. Brandon Graham went out with the shoulder they just seem to be doing it by committee every week their secondary was already depleted they've been getting some players back but the run defense especially so here's the run defense numbers carolina ran for 80 yards sounds respect respectable the only one who really ran though was cam cam had 11 carries for 71 yards their highest running back two guys tied christian mccaffrey four rushes for eight yards so the run defense was stellar throughout the game. And with Cam, when he does play action, he actually ran the ball more than he's done all year. Hard to adjust to that. So, I, you know, I don't blame them for that. What did you What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I thought the only plays that scared me the entire game was when Cam Newton had a chance to run it. I mean, I thought the defense played great. As I said, Fletcher Cox played amazing. You know, a lot of, the, you know, he had those that tip ball. He had, I think he had a couple of sacks. I just thought he was fantastic. And given the injuries, I, I agree with you. I was getting nervous, but um, I thought, you know, the defensive line, you really got to give it to them. They really did a great job. And, you know, I, even at the moments where it was scary towards the end, you still felt like they had been coming through in the clutch the entire game and they didn't disappoint. Fletcher Cox had a half a sack, but he had two QB hits, but that doesn't do justice. He dominated the game and he, <laughs> The move he had was he just overpowered the offensive lineman right into Cam Newton. He did it about five or six times that game. His brute strength is just un freaking believable. I mean, I thought one of the biggest plays the defense had was back in the first quarter where the Panthers were driving and getting um, really moving down the field quickly. And um, they held the Panthers to a field goal on a really good drive in the first quarter. I can't remember exactly when it happened, but I I was thinking, oh man, if they score a touchdown here, this is really going to shift the momentum. And they held him to a field goal at night. That was actually a really good momentum maintainer, at least. I don't know if it was momentum shift, but kept things in check. The Eagles felt like they dominated most of the game. There was that one point where like they said Carolina went up 10-3, and then they had the ball back. And then that great play by Fletcher Cox that forced the interception to make it 10-10. But after that, you know, the Eagles were pretty much in control the rest of the game. They just tried to blow it at the end. Give credit to this team. This, this time last year, they would lose all these games. And they keep winning these close games and that's a sign of a of a good team in san diego it was the offense who never let uh san diego back on the field when the defense was struggling this this week the offense kind of sputtered in the fourth quarter and the defense came through to to hold them to that 28 23 victory so all in all pretty encouraging five and one we'll get to ridiculously early season predictions later but 
it seems like we, we're now going to have to start really resetting expectations. Before we get into that, let's let's talk about Wentz. What did you th- think about Wentz tonight? I mean, I, th- I think he continues to impress. I think he, I mean, I, my biggest concern was just the fact that Lane Johnson was out and I tie, you know, letting that sack by Pepper at the beginning of the game. I was thinking, oh my God, what is this going to mean for the rest of the game? And I was a little nervous. It seemed like Wentz took quite a few hits. That seemed pretty intense, so I would always get nervous about injuries. I thought he played really well. Um, there was that one long ball he threw to, was it Jeffrey? I can't remember. It was right in Jeffrey's hands and he dropped it. But I think he continues to impress on the long ball, and I'm feeling I'm feeling good about him. And he's just so adorable. He just seems, like, so excited. Just love it, you know. And he gets mad when he messes up, which we love. Oh yeah, he doesn't totally. smile. No, and you know that play. I forget what it was where he threw it to Earth at the end when yeah, you know, on third it was down. Ball to Earth. Yeah, on third down, and Romo was talking about how. I think it was Jeffrey, or maybe it was Aguilar was open in the slot and how open he was. And you get, and then they 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 cut to to Carson on the sideline looking at the tablet, getting all mad. And you know, as a Philadelphia fan, we love when your quarterback gets upset about you know what they can do better as opposed to not taking responsibility. Well, as Joe said last week, that's what he hated most about McNabb is that he would always smile when he messed up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, he never took responsibility for when he messed <laughs> up. And Carson. I mean, don't get me started on Donovan, but Carson (laughs) seems like always wants to improve. He's got a great attitude. He's just, he's a big guy. So even though when he takes some of these hits, which are still terrifying, seems like he can get, can get out of the situation a little bit better than, you know, some other QBs can. I just, I'm on the Wentz wagon for sure, but uh, I just get nervous about the injuries. That's always what I'm, you know, I I don't feel like Nick Foles is somebody I want to see back in action anytime soon. No. So Wentz <laughs> finished uh, 16 nah. for 30 for 222 yards, three touchdowns with a 110.7 QB rating. So those are pretty good, pretty good numbers. But I agree with you fully. He took way too many hits tonight. We, yeah. I was going to get back to the disappointments later, but we can get into one of them right now. The blitz coverage pickup, especially on the right side of the line, was awful. He took yeah. way too many hits from that side. Ertz, as crazy as his receiver, is still a terrible, terrible blocker. He's terrible. Right. He's terrible at blitz pickup. He showed that tonight. Uh, Wentz being a real trooper and really going for it on some big plays, but he can't take those hits. He's got to live yeah. to see another day because that's there's a couple times where I thought he broke at least one rib on that play. Romo was, this is the first time I really heard Romo and I have to say he's pretty great because he just still gets excited and he gets you excited about the game and I can't believe I saying that about Tony Romo who we used to hate as a player but as an analyst he's so much fun and he brings so much energy compared to the other quarterback Troy Aikman who I don't dislike I've always said that I think he gets too hard of a time but I think Tony just has that energy that makes you excited for the game but he was saying you just can't take those hits and I fully agree. Yeah I completely agree with you on both fronts on the fact that Carson can't take those hits and how that was the first Thursday night game I'd really sat down and listened to. And uh, I thought Romo did a great job. I just, I totally agree. He was very excited. And, and also just, you brought a, a fresh perspective to a numbskull like me when it comes to football, who doesn't know a lot of the, you know, details. And, and it was really interesting to hear his analysis is what he thought would come up or what should happen next. And, 
a lot of times that's exactly what would happen. So I just, I don't know. I, I thought he did a great job. And as an Eagles fan growing up, despising anything to do with the Cowboys. I can't believe I'm saying that. But to be fair, even as an Eagles fan, when he was playing, you always knew he was going to choke in the playoffs. So you were like, I'm not really that scared of you, Tony Romo. But, you know, you still played for the Cowboys. <laughs> but I thought I thought he was fantastic. I thought it was that was one of the best parts of the game. Yeah, because I, I had only seen him on NFL Red Zone for moments here or there. I, like you said, in like the one Thursday night game I really was sort of watching was with the sound off at a bar. So this was the first time, like you said, where I really listened to him from beginning to end. Like you said, he would he would call that play and said, oh, look, that wheel route for McCaffrey. They'll definitely go back to that. And at the end of the game, they try to go back to it. So it was those kind of insights that that you never usually get, you know, they usually always make fun of, <laughs> they used to always make fun of the rigor network, especially of Phil Sims. They'd be like, well, I talked about that and it happened. You're like, no, you didn't talk about that. And like, it's easy to say you talked about it and it happened. That's not really giving us any real insight. So yeah, he definitely brings an energy and a u- uniqueness that you don't hear from most of the national guys that I usually think are very average at best. Yeah, and I think that what a lot what a lot of the national guys do is they rely on all these rando st- st- statistics, you know, to f- as filler for you know when there's downtime and it's like you know oh they're twenty eight percent when it comes to third down when it's three minutes left in the third quarter you know they I just thought it was a nice different take to listen to Tony Roman more talk about you know here's the strategy of how you should handle things in this situation which I thought was more interesting than just throwing out some random stat up yeah but it's really interesting speaking of third down I've never been so confident with an Eagles team ever on third down you're. Yeah. Yeah, you're surprised when they don't make it. I know, I know, but you know, again, this is the the Philadelphia fan of me. Every time they say, "Oh, this is the best team in the league on third down conversions," you're like, "Well, f you," because now they're not going to make it. They always jinx it. And that's exactly what happened this game. I forget what third down it was. They threw out the statistic. They're the best team in the league on third down. And they didn't make it. But I agree with you. I A refreshing change when you think that they're going to make it on third down every time. As opposed to where, you know, especially on third and long. Where, where most times you would think they're never going to make this. This team, you feel like, yeah, there's a pretty good shot they're going to make this. Which is a nice change of pace from what we're used to. Well, to counter my point and to back up your point, the Eagles are only 5 of 14 on third down, which is not a great percentage. And they had Yeah, that, I didn't feel like they converted as much this game. They had that one late that was disappointing after the blunt six-yard run, second and four, second and three, and then wasn't it a false start by Ertz? Or the play just gets blown up on a... I think Ertz screwed up. Someone screwed up, and then, of course over the middle to Ertz. And it was hard to tell if he dropped that or if it was just a bad throw. You couldn't really tell. Yeah, you couldn't really tell from the angle because it was kind of top down. I, I I had gathered that it hit, it was in and out of his hands, but I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch it. So I was, right, I was right about they, the final for penalties. 10 penalties for 126 yards, and they have one penalty for one yard. Give me a break. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. I, was trying I mean, to, even as you said, there were a couple penalties that they deserved. I mean, the fact that it's that lopsided, that says something by itself. I was trying to do my California Zen and say, think about the entire season. Sometimes you get calls and sometimes you don't when I'm being so (laughs) mad at the refs. But I was like, they're keeping Carolina in the game. Well, we countered the Lane Johnson stat, whatever it was, 9-2 and with him, 2-8 and without him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Adding one to the win column when he's out, which is always nice. All right, well, Um, you don't need to search for it. I have one more disappointment. 
the Cam Newton TD celebration. So Cam Newton scores the touchdown on a great play, calls the camera over, yeah. does his stupid Superman, which I almost hate as much as Ezekiel Elliott doing the feed me, which thank gosh we won't see for six weeks. <laughs> and then he says mother effort to the camera. It just I mean, it just if you're gonna force a camera over there, at least be creative. Let's I don't even be creative. I don't even mind that, that, that that's his thing, the Superman thing. Okay, fine. But then why are you saying mother effort? Yeah. <laughs> you well, know if you're calling the camera over there, they're showing that. Well, at least he wasn't, you know, criticizing women for talking about football, so that's an improvement. <laughs> I mean, how apropos is it that you have me as a guest on the same week after Cam Newton? The thinks it's funny that women talk about football. Well, I mean, women shouldn't do sports podcasts, right? <laughs> exactly. Pretty sure that's what he said. Yeah. Pretty sure that's what I remember him saying. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get half the views because or half the listens because it's a woman as as my counterpart instead of GT. I I just thought that was just stupid. It's not as you said, not as infuriating as Ezekiel Elliott, but it's just kind of like, all right, sit down. I Bye. just don't understand why you say mother effer. Like, no, yeah, it just seems like such a throw away yeah i totally agree but can we also talk about the eagle celebration with kelsey spiking the ball which just looked so hilarious he just looked like such a goof and carson is you know the white dude from north dakota and when everybody's like oh yeah he's he's like a half second off well he is from <laughs> north like, north dakota well that's what i'm saying we still love him oh he's i'm obsessed i'm totally into him until he breaks my heart and then he'll be dead to me just like donovan <laughs> wow you're just as bitter as mom. You're trying to say you're in between. You're just as bad as mom. You might be worse than mom. Mom is the one who said she was cautiously optimistic. So it's me. The scale goes me to GT to Dale to you. Well, I have the mom syndrome or, well, I guess this is just a Philly fan syndrome where it's it, when things are going well, you have this paranoia of when it's, when is this going to go south? As opposed to, I feel like you and GT are like, yeah, I have a good feeling about this season and this is this is a nice change. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's going better than last year. I feel like it's going better, but something's going to happen just to ruin it. <laughs> That's just how it works. The funny thing to our listeners is that Amanda is supposed to be the most positive of the grandchildren. <laughs> Her nickname growing up was Ray of Sunshine, and that wasn't sarcastic, but tonight you would think it'd be sarcastic. <laughs> So, Ray of Sunshine, why don't we get into the positives? What were your pleasant surprises, Ray of Sunshine? Well, I have a season-long pleasant pleasant surprise that, because this is my one opportunity to, to throw it out there, is Aguilar actually doing his job this season. Think of how many times Aguilar dropped the ball last year and you wanted to lose your mind. I feel like Aguilar has done so much better this season, and I just feel like... It's a really nice change of pace to see him actually catch the ball as opposed to dropping the ball all the time. So that was just my my season long positive. And then I don't know if we ever away. say Aguilar or Aguilar. Is it I, soft I, I, O yeah. or long O? I never know. It doesn't seem like knock on wood that he's he's gonna be that first round bust that every Eagles fan thought he was after two seasons and was ready to murder him. So yeah. that's that's a pleasant surprise always. But we've been talking about Aguilar all season. I think it's long yeah. O. Aguilar feels right. Yeah, I don't know. But that, I, I that touchdown play, you know, and Romo said he he's a natural fit in the slot and that's where he's going to stay. And I said last week to Joe that if that's his calling, that's fine with me. A great slot receiver can have an outstanding career and do great things for any team. So I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agreed with that Romo comment. 
And then the other big positive I had, which I thought was very um, pleasantly surprised by, was the capitalizing on the turnovers. Because I feel like under the Reed era, especially, you would get these big defensive plays and then a lot of times it wouldn't turn into a touchdown or you know they get stopped or as as Matt would say we need seven and I felt like you know it was really nice to see them convert you know I think it was those two picks into into TDs which is what you need to do if you're going to win big games well Wentz had said and he said it all season and he's been saying it through this season and Peterson as well they had to improve on third down efficiency number one in the league heading into this game not as great tonight but playing a much better defense. And number two, red zone efficiency. Those were the two things they had to improve on. There you go. You've seen it this season, and that's why they're 5-1 and one and not you know struggling after the 3-1 start. So that's been a, those have probably been two of the biggest differences. And the defense is just better this year, especially the secondary. You know, right. Even with injuries, even when the best corner that they traded for goes out, they still do enough. And you know, Malcolm, Jenkson, Malcolm Jenkins plays great every game. Rodney McLeod had a good game. No matter what it is, it seems like this team is just better on both sides of the ball. It's just now they got to hopefully survive the injuries, especially, of course, Wentz. GT, that's what he was saying when we were saying, oh, what scares you most? And I was saying, well, any team can say, oh, we don't want our franchise quarterback to go out. Aaron Rodgers goes out, Green Bay screwed. So negating that, of course, no one wants their star quarterback to go out. Survive the injuries enough to get healthy by the end of the season. The next three games are at home. I'm pretty sure the next three games are at home and that's a bye week. So this is really the time for the Eagles to really cement their stranglehold of not only the NFC East, but now we got to think about all of the NFC. So I have my biggest pleasant surprise of this game was the linebacking core, especially Bradham. Bradham was outstanding tonight. He was everywhere. He was on every play. And even when Hicks got hurt, Kendricks came in and played great. Kendricks has played great anytime Hicks has gotten hurt. So you got to give it to the linebackers. I've already talked about the run defense, the run defense besides, you know, a couple of Cam Newton plays was outstanding. Of course, you already talked about Fletcher Cox. But Doug Peterson, big balls Doug Peterson, you can tell the f- the players love it. Players really respect him for, you know, not only the, the fourth down plays, but then when they got that penalty on the extra point that he went for on that two-point conversion, Fletcher Cox came over and, you know, like even gave him a little pat on the back. The players love that he has, he's so aggressive. And I think we've seen Mike Lombardi, sorry, you're wrong. Okay, maybe he's not, a, you know, Bill Belichick, but he's not a terrible coach. And you can just see the confidence building. You can see the play calling, everything. He just, and then Schwartz on the defensive side, they just have that real, they just have a real momentum going, not only with the players, but with the coaches. Yeah, you could see that the players really, I totally agree with you on that, um, you know, them going for the two-point conversion when that penalty came up. You, you could see the players really appreciate that. And then, you know, was it last, was it last? Last week, two weeks ago, with the 61-yard field goal. I mean, that's a ballsy move, but instead of throwing the Hail Mary. And well, especially when you have Odell Beckham Jr. waiting. Exactly, exactly. And you all know every Philadelphia fan was waiting for Odell Beckham Jr. to run it back for a touchdown. But, you know, I think, I think, yeah, I think Doug Peterson, too much of a bad rap. This is this is his first head coaching job, right, is with the Eagles. Well, that was I the think. big knock that he wasn't really, he was a quarterback's coach and then was like offensive coordinator in quotes. Andy Reid still ran the offense. 
So people were right. saying he really didn't have that much of experience, and he was too. He was pretty much a high school coach, as I said tonight, in like 2009. So people were saying there's no way he has enough experience to really be able to pull it off. But the counter is, is that he was pretty much always a coach throughout his career. He was never for a brief time in Philadelphia. He was the starter until McNabb was ready, but that was half a season. He was always a backup. Right. He was always second or third string, no matter where he was. Kind of had the chops to really be able to have a fast learning. I don't know. I feel like he deserves a little bit more of a break, especially considering that this is is his first head coaching job. I mean, granted, he had last season, which, you know, it's going to take time to acclimate. But I think he's doing a great job considering the short time that he's been a head coach. And I don't know how much having a ton of years under your belt as a head coach in the NFL really means much anymore. And well, I think he, Yeah, Sean McVay is showing, you know, he's 31 years old. He's turned around the Rams, at least, you know, early, it seems you know he made golf at least a competent qb so yeah you never know you never know and yeah. then everybody was upset that you know they didn't get the giants offensive coordinator and then it turns out that he might not be that great either so you never know ben mcadoo so it just it just you never know i don't think anybody thought bill belichick would be a genius when he came from cleveland and then went to new england after he didn't have a winning record in cleveland so who knows and then it helps yeah. when you have a franchise QB, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it makes a, a coach look even better, you know, even a mediocre, mediocre coach look good. And that's what I said QB, so. to Joe, is that I'd rather have the franchise QB and a mediocre coach than a great coach and a mediocre QB. But I, I you know, I, I like Peterson so far. I agree with you. I think he's made some ballsy calls, which I appreciate. You know, I think that I totally agree. His confidence is just going to continue to build, especially as they continue to play well, hopefully. I don't know. I've been pleasantly surprised. And I think it's, you know, we went through a bit of a roller coaster after, what was it, 15 years of Andy Reid. And then we had the Chip Kelly era, which we were also excited about and ended up being such a big disappointment. And I think he's a nice, so far, it seems like a nice balance of the two of being a little more level-headed, but still willing to take some chances, which I think is a good balance. Hopefully that continues to be true. Perfectly said, Amanda. All right, so let's get to, <laughs> I'm serious. That was a great, that was a great way of putting it. I think you summed it up beautifully. Way to go, Ray of Sunshine. Way to bring it back. See, I say positive things sometimes. Yeah, wait, wait, Eagles, until they crush me. Way to come back from the dark storms of Eagleville. I'm telling you, if you had lived in Philly during all of those NFC Championship games, you would not be as positive. I grew up. I grew up in Philly for the first 21 years of my life. I have plenty of bitterness left in me. Trust me. That's true. That's true. You're not wrong. All right. So five and one, sitting atop the NFC East. Now a contender for the entire NFC through six weeks. How are you feeling? What is your ridiculously early season prediction now? I think. You know, I'm kind of leaning towards 11 and 5. Maybe that's a little too optimistic. But if you look at their schedule for the rest of the season, there's not a lot of games that scare me. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of division rivals to to get through still again. But divisions looking other than the Redskins, I'm not really scared about the Cowboys or, or the Giants, although they can always play spoiler. But looking at the rest of the season, I'm not there's no team here that really scares me. I mean, the Seahawks are always interesting. The Rams are good this year, so that could be interesting. Broncos as well. But I don't know. I think if they continue to do what they're doing, I think eleven and five is plausible. That's optimistic. They're five and one. You realize that, right? Okay. Well let's 
think let's you know it's the eagles we're talking about <laughs> i think everybody was what everybody was saying nine and seven i clearly better than nine and seven gt had said eight and eight we'll have to go back to the tape i can't remember but i had said nine and seven ten and six pretty sure gt had said eight and eight we're gonna do something real quick we're running out of time but we'll do something real quick this is what bill simmons likes to do sometimes with some team redskins at home win or loss Ooh. um I'm still going with win. Okay, win. 49ers at home, win or loss? Ugh, win. Broncos at home, win or loss? Uh, I, the Broncos, for some reason, scare me a little bit. I think that might be a loss. Broncos at home is a loss. Yeah. I, think, I don't know. There's some reason the Broncos scare me a little bit. All right, so we'll we'll go by yours. I say that's a win, but we'll go with you. 7-2 and two at Cowboys. A division rivals always scare me, but... I, I just I just don't think the Cowboys are very good this year, and I I think we can win that game. Eight and two, okay. I think just the opposite. I think they beat the Browns, they lose the Cowboys. So we're both at eight and two. Home against the Bears, we both agree that's a win. Yeah, don't even that's need to talk a win. about that. Nine yeah. and two at Seahawks. You're probably saying loss there, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. So what did I say? They were nine and two at that point. So now they're nine and three. Yeah. At Rams. That's a ooh. That's an interesting one. Ah. I... Uh, I think they eat that one. All right, 10 and 3 at Giants. Okay, clearly Giants suck this year, but that's like the perfect trap game to me. Okay, so you're thinking that's a loss. 10 and 4. Yeah. Then home against the Raiders. Well, that's better be a win. 11 and 4. So 11 and 4 going into the Cowboys at home to end the season. Yeah, and they have a good track record of doing that. So, okay, so 12 and 4. Oh, so you're going 12 and 4. All right. I like what, what we you... did. That was fun. No, that that's enough. <laughs> That was great analysis right there. What do you disagree with me on? Which no, we just said... we disagreed on on where, where the losses were, but I think we're both weary of at Seahawks because yeah. Seahawks might w- need that game more than the Eagles at that point. So right. I agree with that. I, you hope you get one or two of those on the West Coast. That's your goal probably because you're staying out there because it's two weeks in a row. And then depending on where you were at that that point. Two or three year last and you're twelve and four, that that sounds right. Yeah. All right, well you heard it here first. We just predicted the rest of the season. We're going twelve and four. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. <laughs> well, okay. If we go in twelve uh, if we go in twelve and four, we have we have a first round bye at least. And then we have a chance for number one seed because you figure Packers and then maybe the Falcons. And that's pretty much it. At this point, it's ridiculous early season prediction. We had fun with it. We'll 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 come back to that, but that's a fun little game. And then finally, it makes for, me nervous talking about it. I'm thinking of all these nail biter games. I'm already getting anxious. And then finally, uh, Aunt Susan wanted us to talk about the mumum story, and it's perfect that you're here to talk about the mumum story since I believe it was coming back from when you were born. Because GT had mentioned mumum, so for people who don't know mumum, that's my grandmother. So coming back, this is for Philly people. Before you had Google Maps or anything like Waze, you all had your secret way to get to the Jersey Shore and we used to have a place in Seattle. My grandmother used to have a place in Seattle. So Amanda was just born. I'm a lot older than Amanda and GT. We were coming back. I just met Amanda for the first time at the hospital. So we were going back to the Jersey Shore, taking the secret way. And unbeknownst to me that Mumum used to have a lead foot apparently, allegedly according to Aunt Susan, so she gets pulled over by the intimidating New Jersey state police officer. And if you've ever been pulled over by New Jersey state cops, they always seem more intense than other state cops. Anyway, comes strolling up to the window. Mumum is, you know, 
doesn't know what's going on because Mama never gets in trouble. I start saying, Mama, I could have sworn you were only going 55 or I think it was 55 or 60 in a 55 and you had a clock there at 72. And I think I may have shed a tear because I was a big crybaby back then. And then the cop felt so bad that he let Mama out of the ticket. So that was the story that Aunt Susan wanted me to share that Mama got, I got Mama out of a ticket. Which is funny because fast forward about eight years later, I got a ticket in the Geo Tracker that I had to give dad because I had just gotten a, a ticket like a month before he was about ready to murder me. Well, that sounds accurate. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does that have to do with football? <laughs> and Susan wanted me to show, tell the mom story, so I told her I would. Oh, okay. I thought I was waiting for like the football tie. No, like, there's no football tie. Tie around the Eagles? No, but... <laughs> If this is your only podcast appearance, which uh, I don't think it will be, it was when you were born. It was coming back from when uh, you were born. It was tying back to you. Yeah. Well, I am pretty awesome. So yes. You great. are pretty I, awesome. And I got mom I, I got mama out of a ticket. Win win. You I were was born. For some you were born and we got mama out of a ticket. I thought you were gonna say like and then Randall Cunningham showed up at the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I just was waiting for this football connection. I'm like Wow, I never knew this had to do with the Eagles before. No, it had nothing to do with the Eagles. Them. Absolutely nothing to do with the Eagles. <laughs> well, with that, we'll definitely have you back on because this was a lot of fun, and I think we can make this a full sibling affair on some occasions, especially when we do the midweek one. Yeah, and I can I can practice my kaka. I thought it was just like GT. I couldn't kaka, tell. Kaka. I couldn't tell the difference. Anyway, thanks for listening. Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. Rate us on iTunes, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks.